Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. And we are joining you for our March Clinical Corner article. Just under the wire. It yeah. is March 31st. March but hey. madness. We're shooting, <laughs> we're shooting from the half court here for hey, March. It still counts, right? <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Um, as you know, we always do a Clinical Corner article each month. This is kind of a special article that we go over in each of our offices at our monthly staff meeting and just another way that we're continuing to try to always have the latest greatest techniques for treatment and keep our staff up to date on emerging trends. I feel like it's pretty special because we're sharing with our audience what we're also sharing with our clinicians so it's kind of like a group think. It is it is and uh, we want to give a shout out to our students we appreciate all of our student listeners Mm -hmm. out there Um, Each month, we always try to give a little pop quiz test question for our students. So um, one of the things that we're going to ask the students is, if you had a patient with chronic ankle instability, what might be a area that you might not first think of that could unlock some progress or help return to function for an ankle patient? This seems like one of those trick questions, one of those really long like word answers. Mm. And you have to really think about the words that you used in the question. I'm bigger on multiple choice, you know. So Short answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know saying. if we're going to give them an A, B, and C, okay. but it won't be all the above. Is this one of those questions that we do that is going to be given away in the title? Maybe, if they're paying attention. So. <laughs> we'll see if they pay attention. <laughs> so, uh, so this article, uh, you know, we've done a lot of different types of articles. Mm-hmm. This, this one's one is, a little different. It is a little different. It's back to what we call case report. Okay. So this is one particular patient that someone recorded information on and has published this. And uh, this is titled Implementation of Cognitive Retraining to Diminish Kinesiophobia Associated with Chronic Ankle Instability. Sheesh. Yeah. So it's not arachnophobia (laughs) uh, and it's not claustrophobia, but it's kinesiophobia. Do you have a phobia? Um, you know, I'm not really, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm really like afraid of anything. I don't love heights, but I can deal with I don't it. Love heights. <laughs> so definitely yeah. I have abnormal fears of whales, whales and claustrophobia. Oh yeah. Whale sounds like no, just if you like had a sleep machine that had whale think, sounds, you no, would cry or no, just like physically. I think it's like the water and having mm. something that large. Even though they don't attack humans very often, but just like that. Tune in next week when we take (laughs) Allie on a whale watching tour. (laughs) Watch me cry. (laughs) Anyway, uh, back to the article here. Uh, This is a 28-year-old female patient who had an acute um, ankle sprain a year before instability. Um, So she went and uh, had uh, surgical ligamentous repair because her ankle sprain was so bad. Um, wow. That she actually needed surgery on it. Um, you after don't, You don't hear people needing surgery after just like spraining their ankle too often, do you? Yeah, so this must have been a really bad okay. injury. Like her foot um, was like flopped. And, and she had kind of some chronic issues. You know, this wasn't her first sprain. So, oh. Um, and because of that, um, on the evaluation, the therapist found that she had high levels of what we call kinesiophobia or fear of movement and what we call fear avoidance. So 
fear avoidance is where you think, oh, if I bring my foot in or turn my ankle in, I'm going to have pain, so I don't want to do that. Oh. It's a very natural thing. Um, you know, we're programmed for self-preservation. Yeah. And so we don't want to hurt ourselves. <laughs> Most and, of us. Right. And so there is a mental component to recovering from an injury and gaining confidence back. Yeah. And uh, realizing that, hey, this isn't going to hurt if I move in this certain direction right. or certain position. It's like I learned the hard way and I'll never do it again. That's right. Um, and so we've we've had these concepts in physical therapy and in rehab. Much more commonly, uh, they're talked about with low back pain and like fear avoidance beliefs. Um, you know, if you bent over and hurt your back, people are afraid to bend over again. Um, or they've been talked about with shoulder instability where someone might dislocate their shoulder and they're afraid to go back into that position, even once the tissue's healed and even once they've recovered. Um, this is kind of the first time I've seen this talked about with ankle instability or ankle sprains, which is, um, you know, pretty cool because I think that they can, this can be a subset of patients that, uh, sometimes struggle to get better. Um, they always are turning their ankle, yeah. you know, and it's like, I've sprained my ankle 20 times, you know? So I think this kinesiophobia might be something that could unlock uh, some more potential hint, hint students out there, um, <laughs> on rehab. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the strategies that they, uh, enlisted to help with that. So are these like patients you see that are so scared to do that movement that, you know, caused the injury again, that they're like kind of walking around stiff, like mm -hmm. you said, not bending over. Exactly. So that like kind of leads to other like atrophy. It could, it can lead to, you know, other, you know, like dysfunction in other areas, like we've talked about up the chain, mm -hmm. you know, so if they're obviously not weight bearing properly in the article, they talk about one of the things that they noticed is uh, they did a video of this uh, patient who had the ankle injury running and they noticed that she was not moving her foot properly when they analyzed the video of her running. And um, a lot of this retraining or education about kinesiophobia uh, involves talking to the patient. It's a lot of patient education. Um, so they actually showed the patient the video and talked with her. You know, do you feel like you're running normal? Is your foot moving normal? She felt like it was, and they would say, well, here, look at the video. You can see that it's not. Interesting. You know, so it's a lot of cognitive retraining and kind of coaching more than anything. Um, but I think identifying that there is a dysfunction and it wasn't, you know, she had the baseline strength and range of motion to be able to move normally, but she was still avoiding normal movement. Interesting, but mm -hmm. unaware of it. Yeah. So in this particular case, initially the interventions were what you might think of more typically, you know, ankle range of motion, resistance, um, balance activities, manual therapy was initiated. We always talk about you know, the hands-on and the exercise component. So they did scar massage, joint mobilizations. Um, about a month in, they felt like they had normal range of motion, normal muscle testing. Um, the patient progressed into more weight-bearing strengthening. They were doing single-leg heel raise, dynamic stability, all the things that we normally do recovering from ankle training. Um, the cognitive retraining um, was a major focus, uh, basically, because I think the therapist early on picked up on some of the fear avoidance strategies. Yeah. Um, so when a physical therapist becomes more of a psycho, <laughs> what do you say? 
psychiatrist. What do you call it? Well, I think that you there again. There's always there's always a mental component to movement. You know, there's yeah. confidence that comes with movement, and we do a lot of breaking a movement down into smaller pieces so patients can do one or two movements and realize, oh, I can do that whole thing. You know. Um, and they start to they start to feel more confident. So I think confidence is really at the heart of a lot of yeah. it. Um, initially, they found some success using desensitization techniques with different tactile stimulus. Um, and you know their their thought was, and what seemed to work with them is they did a lot of self visualization with the patient. What? So they would say, imagine yourself walking normally. You know, imagine yourself okay. squatting down like with no pain you? in your ankle. You know, close your eyes and picture that. So it's a lot of self-visualization. Visual, um, they also had her watch films of tasks that she wanted to perform. What? Um, this is per- like Pavlov's dogs. Yeah, it was a lot of training. So particularly of her self-completing tasks. Like she used to play basketball. So they would have her watch films of herself playing basketball. Oh. So she could see that. Hey, I can. Yes, I did do this once. I can do this. Um, You know, larger stage emphasis. They did some plyometrics. They did more dynamic balance. But um, as I was mentioned earlier, when they when she began a running progression, um, it was noted like her foot contact angle was a little bit different. Hmm. And so um, that's when they uh, they did do the video and they educated her and had her watch it. And you can actually um, see this video. It's really? um, on uh, attached to the it. article. So you can kind of see how the difference was. Um, but a big part of it, you know, they were asking her, does this hurt? Is this stiff? And, you know, she was more just fearful yeah, to try like to it's do it normal be, because she thought it would. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so the good news is that this patient did very, very well and kind of with a stepwise progression of including, you know, just more higher level activities in a closed environment where it was protected. Um, she was able to gain more confidence um, at, you know, she was able to be discharged normally and go back to all of her activities, um, which is pretty cool. Um, the article does a nice job of summarizing uh, and Allie will throw this up uh, in the notes section. But hop testing is one of the things that we use to look at comparative differences. And you can kind of see the improvements in our hop testing. Like literally bouncing like, uh, on jumping one foot? Jumping. One, one leg to the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, some component of her not hopping as far on the injured ankle initially could have been strength, could have been, um, you know, the ability to propel herself. But as it got further, the therapist felt like it was more confidence in her fear avoidance. So as that okay. went down, um, she was able to, you know, kind of hop hop further. I feel so. like I need to go through these tests now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, as they got into higher level activities, like when she got back to jumping and shooting and playing in a basketball game, um, again, they encouraged her to watch, you know, film, um, perform, you know, self-task and, and like self-visualization and repeat this particular phrase, I am capable of this You're activity. Kidding. Yeah. So they had her repeat that. These that are her phrase. physical therapists. Mm-hmm. So you guys are physical therapists, your psychologists, and your life coaches. Well, I think you got to, you know, each patient's going to require a little something different. And I think picking up on that, you can kind of tell when someone is really afraid of doing something. Um, but I think this is something that intuitively, as therapists, we all know that, hey, the patient's perception or fear of movement mm-hmm. plays a role. 
Uh, but it's nice to have it proven and nice yeah. to have this article as a reference. Cool. And You know what they call that these days? What's that? Manifesting. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Uh, I see. I learn something new every day. <laughs> see, I keep us connected with our audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there are specific measurements um, and scales that they use in the article. Um, there's the Tampa scale of kinesiophobia. Uh, if anyone's interested, I'm sure that's an outcome measure you could um, use. Is that uh, like a whole chapter in a PT book? I don't know that it's a whole chapter. I think that uh, after doing this for over 20 some odd years, I will tell you that I give a lot more credit to the mental mm-hmm. uh, system's impact on the physical system, you know, and I think if you ignore that in your rehab uh, in, in helping patients, you're probably only going to be so effective. Yeah, you're in and, the business of people here. Yeah, and I think that's... You got to know mean, the whole person. Again, back to, you know, kind of what we do, I think, at Oxford, um, being a little more individualized mm-hmm. and being a little more um, patient-centered, mm-hmm. I think, allows us to pick up on some of those nuances. And I think our therapists are all very, very good yeah. at identifying this particular patient needs a little more TLC or this particular patient needs a little heavier hand. Yeah. You know, so and each that's patient, not a bad thing either. Yeah. Each patient is going to respond differently. And quite honestly, you know, what they bring to the table a lot of times really is outside of their control. It's just who they are and mm-hmm. what they have. And so I think we have to be willing to adapt our strategies to help patients meet their goals and, and get, get there better, faster. Yeah, exactly. I love it. So this article will be up on the uh, notes section there. I encourage you guys to take a look at it. It's hot off the presses from January of 23. And for our students who haven't already picked up, <laughs> um, you know, if you have someone with chronic ankle instability and you're like, hey, their motion's great, their strength is great, their balance is great, maybe it's a kinesiophobia issue, maybe it's fear avoidance, and maybe implementing some of these strategies could yield some results for you. There you go. You got to sit them down and be like, listen, is this a phobia thing? Yeah, I think, you know, those early warning signs, you know, when people talk about being not necessarily painful, but afraid of movement, you know, I think you often can start to pick up on that as patients give their history and you watch them do certain things. So Interesting. You guys got to know it all. Well, a little bit about everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Matt, I think you forgot to mention something. Well, I was going to say, if you as a patient are fearful of a particular movement and (laughs) you you need some help and you're like, hey, I feel pretty strong, I feel pretty flexible, but I just can't do what I want to do, maybe you need some physical therapy. Maybe. And remember, you have direct access. There it is. And you can come straight to Oxford Physical Therapy without a prescription or referral, and we can help you get over your kinesiophobia. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All-encompassing. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms. And until next time, keep it moving.